Our text today on Christmas Day is from the book of Micah. Chapter 5, verse 2. Just like another pregnant woman among countless others, or a baby tucked away lying in a manger, or shepherds living out in the fields keeping watch over their flocks by night, The prophecy of the Messiah's birth is tucked away in the book of Micah and is easily passed over unnoticed if one does not have eyes to see. Micah chapter 5, verse 2. But you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth are from of old, from everlasting. This is the word of the Lord. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your promises. And Lord, you promised us a Savior. Lord, even in the beginning, shortly after the creation, Upon the fall of man, you did not leave us in our sin and in our death without hope, but you gave us the promise of the coming seed, a Savior, and that Savior has come, and today we are here to celebrate that Savior. On this special day, on Christmas Day, and the Lord's Day, we celebrate the coming of Christ. Not just the birth of Christ, but the coming of Christ. The presence of Christ, and the promise of Christ. From everlasting to everlasting, we thank you for that gospel, that good news, that saves us and delivers us. Father, give us eyes to see and ears to hear. Help us to be a people that do not just pass over what is so easily unnoticed. Father, we ask these things for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. God is like that. He often tucks away things most important in seemingly unimportant people or unimportant places. You should never underestimate God's intentions through the most unlikely and unremarkable persons, places, or things. We live in a culture that glorifies what is called glorious, or great, or important, or powerful, or popular. And if it's not popular, if it's not powerful, if it's not according to the world's definition of what should be and what is, well, then it's not worth your time. It's not worth your effort. It's not worth anything. But as you read the scripture, you see that God is the exact opposite of the way the world operates and the way the world defines and places value on things. 
It is the glory of God to conceal a matter, but it is the honor of kings to search out a matter, the proverb tells us. You must be looking and you must have eyes to see if you are going to search out and find what the Lord has hidden in plain sight. You might say that Jesus was hidden in plain sight for all to see. Jesus was common born. At first glance, he was a common man living a common life, the supposed son of a common carpenter. Yet Jesus was anything but common. Many saw only the common born, common man, and very many allowed him to pass by unnoticed because he was so unremarkable. That is still the case today and always will be until God gives a person eyes to see. Not only was Jesus unremarkable in his birth, I mean, I know there were angels and, and all of that, but I, I mean, if you think about the birth of Jesus, it was very unremarkable, except that it was amazing that he was born in a stable, unlike many or most children. He was especially unremarkable as he hung on the cross and died like a common criminal. Written off as just another would-be Messiah, this seemingly common man lived most of his life unnoticed by the world he came to save. That is, until his time came to be seen and to be known and to change the world and the whole created order that he created. Micah chapter 5 verse 2 begins with these words, But you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah. Bethlehem, Ephrathah is the birthplace of Jesus. It was not a center of power that you would expect a king of kings and a lord of lords to be born in. It may not have been a center of power to those who considered themselves powerful, but it was the very center of power as long as Jesus was there. Bethlehem means house of bread. Ephrathah means fruitful. It was not accidental that the one who is the bread of life, the one who is the true vine, was born in Bethlehem, Ephrathah. The very name of this place speaks life, and not just life, but abundant and fruitful life, the exact kind of life that Jesus Christ came to give to us. John 10.10, 10, Jesus says, The thief comes. The thief does not come except to steal and kill and destroy. But I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Abundant life or life to the full or to the fullest is what Jesus was born to give to us. Born in the house of bread, born to fruitfulness, Jesus Christ is the only source and the only way of life and that is life. To the fullest. That is the life Jesus came to give to us. 
But you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, though you are little, the words of the, of the prophet, though you are little, here is the familiar theme throughout God's story. It is a theme we are to learn and one we should know well by now. But sometimes we are slow to learn. And the world with all of its lies constantly assails our senses seeking to convince us that the truth is not true. The world with our enemy want us to believe the lie is true and that good is evil and evil good. If we do, we help them justify their sinfulness. We must resist the temptation to believe the lie. Our first parents at creation did not resist that temptation, but gave into it. The lie tells us that knowledge is power, that power prevails, that might makes right, and that weakness and insignificance in this world is only for losers. The lie convinces us to trust ourselves and so be like God. In fact, that's what we become. We become God for ourselves and to ourselves. If for no other reason we can look at the birth of Christ to know that trusting in worldly wisdom and the arm of the flesh is not how God works. It's not how he operates in this world. It is the arm of the flesh the enemy tempts us to trust in. But our trust must be in the arm of the Lord. God uses little things, weak things, foolish things to confound the wise and bring to nothing the mighty. That is exactly what he did when he caused his only begotten son to be born in Bethlehem, Ephrathah, in a stable and laid in a manger, a feed trough. The king of highest estate was born into this world in the lowest estate. As we consider the little things, the weak things, and the foolish things, we may see only what is little or weak or foolish. We wonder how little, weak, and foolish things can overcome the great and the powerful things of this world. Those little, weak, and foolish things are simply the means by which the Lord will cause us to overcome. While we are captivated by the impossibility of the mountain we are facing and the powerlessness we see in those things we call little and weak and foolish, we should be looking to the Lord and trusting in His arm and not our own. Do not fix your eyes on the great and powerful things. Do not fix your eyes on the mountain before you or the means you can see to overcome it, the means you believe will not overcome it. Fix your eyes instead upon the Lord. Look to Him and trust in Him. He is the one who can move your mountain through the faith that He so graciously will supply. For you. 
The enemy and this world want you to believe that it is only the things strong and mighty, only the things big and great, only the things we call powerful that matter. That is a lie. That does not mean that big and great things do not matter, but it does mean that God uses the little things, the weak things, the foolish things to make the greatest difference. If you spend your life looking for and waiting for the big things, you will spend all your time missing the little things that will add up to a sum so much greater than the big things you may never find. Think of all the people that miss the baby Jesus because he was born in a in a place too little. He was deemed too small, too insignificant, too common, too poor, too much like all of us. He was not seen as special because he was human just like us. But that was and that is the point. He had to be just like us, though without sin, in order to atone for our sin and to redeem us. And the prophet says, though you are little among the thousands of Judah, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though you are little among the thousands of Judah, among the thousands of Judah, God chose for his son to be born in a place described as little. How many of you, if you knew that your only begotten son would be the king of kings and the Lord of lords, would you choose a little place for his birth? Would you choose a stable and would you lie him in a manger? No, you would not. But God did. From that insignificant little place, God brought forth the one to be ruler in Israel. Though it was prophesied from old, people had formulated their own image of the Messiah, much like we do with God today. The Bible says that we are created in the image of God, yet we continually create God in our own image. And that is the God we choose to trust, the one that we have created in our own image and not the one that is revealed to us in the Scripture. They looked for a Messiah who would fit all the descriptions they imagined for a Messiah, one who would do all the things a Messiah should do, a Messiah so powerful and mighty and strong for all to see that only the blind can miss him, and they did. And the lesson that we are to learn today is that we must not miss him. And if you think we cannot, you fool yourself, you lie to yourself, because we can still and very often do miss him today. Certainly a baby born to an insignificant and poor mother in a stable, laid in a manger in little Bethlehem, and announced only to shepherds fit none of the images and imaginations concerning the Messiah promised to come 
to defeat all of God's enemies and restore the kingdom to Israel. Nothing about Jesus fit man's imagination. But everything fit God's plan and God's purpose. And do you know what? There is nothing about Jesus today that fits man's imagination. If you listen to what men say about Jesus today, it is not what the Scripture has to say about him. It is not who the Scripture declares him to be. It is what man in his own vain imagination has imagined Jesus to be. So it is today, may we learn the lessons well in order to fight our battles bravely and faithfully and always certain of victory, no matter how certain defeat may seem. God is very good at snatching defeat from our midst and exchanging it for victory when we could not see it coming. Among the thousands, he may allow you to fall into a category that you may resist. But it may be that God is choosing something weak, something foolish, to accomplish something mighty. Do you trust him to do that? Mary did. Joseph did. The shepherds did. But many did not, and many do not still today. He has done it throughout his story. He did it that first Christmas and every Christmas since. He will not change his mode of operation, for it gives him the glory due his name, and it keeps us searching for the treasure he has so gracefully hidden for our eyes only. Yet out of you shall come forth to me, the one to be ruler in Israel. The words of the prophet concerning the one born in little Bethlehem, the newborn king born in lowly estate, born in Bethlehem of Phratha, is the seed promised to crush the head of the serpent. He is the promised seed who overcomes the curse of sin and death, the promised seed in whom all the families of the earth will be blessed, He is the seed who is the king of kings. He is the promised conquering seed and king born in little Bethlehem. Not in a palace, but in a stable. Not laid in a royal crib of gold, but in a manger, a feeding trough for the animals. Born in humble human flesh, born to live Born to die, but born to live again. Born to be sown in weakness, but raised in glory and power. Born to lead the way for those who would, by God's sovereign grace, be born again in Him through faith. Out of little Bethlehem came forth the one to be ruler in Israel. But not only Israel... The one born to be ruler in Israel is none other than Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the Savior and Redeemer. He has come forth to be ruler, not only in Israel, but in the whole 
world. Psalm 2, verse 7 and 8. I will declare the decree. The Lord has said to me, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me and I will give you the nations for your inheritance and the ends of the earth for your possession. The father says to the son, ask of me and I will give you the nations for your inheritance and the ends of the earth for your possession. And he has. From little Bethlehem came forth the ruler of the nations and the possessor of the ends of the earth. In fact, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to him. There is no place in the created order, no place in heaven, no place on earth that he is not king of kings and Lord of lords. All authority has been given to him. All of his authority was never in doubt, even as he was laying in the manger, a newborn babe. He was born the king, and he is eternally the king and Lord of all. Whose goings forth are from of old, from everlasting Jesus did not become king by what he did or accomplished here on this earth. He did not become king. He was born king. He is the king whose goings forth are from old, from everlasting. Psalm 90 verse 2. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth, and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. John chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him nothing was made that was made. This is Jesus. Yes, the babe in a manger, but also the one who is from everlasting to everlasting, the one who was the word in the beginning, the one with God and the one who is God, the one whose goings forth are from old, from everlasting, the one who created all things, including the stable, the manger, and the womb that held him. He was begotten, but not created. He is the creator. He is the one who is ruler, king, and lord of all. He is also the one who is the lamb of God, slain before the foundation of the world, the savior of the world from everlasting. This is the one whose advent we celebrate today. But not just today. Every Lord's Day, every Sunday, and every day, He should be celebrated. Jesus, our Redeemer, the Prince of Peace, our 
Savior, King. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Let us prepare our hearts to come to the table of the Lord, to come to this table to remember that Christ has come. The babe was laid in the manger. He was born in that stable, but he is not a babe any longer. He is the ruling king, the king who is to come again. Christian, as you trust in Jesus, and I pray that you do, come to the table and welcome to Jesus Christ. In the words of the famous carol we just sang, joy to the world. The Lord is come. You notice, you notice the words there? Joy to the world, not the Lord will come, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room. And heaven and nature sing. The prophet Isaiah wrote these words. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. That is good news, church. That is a promise God has not broken and will never break. The gospel works. Jesus is king. He is Lord. The birth of Jesus did not occur to give us the opportunity for salvation. Salvation is not a suggestion that God gives to us. It is his command. The gospel is not something we share for those who might give it a try. The gospel is what we are commanded to proclaim. Men are not suggested to believe. Men are commanded to believe. Anything less than faith in the Savior is rebellion resulting in death. Men who live without the Savior are already dead. Jesus was born to save his people. You and I are commanded to trust him. And if we trust him, if we profess to trust him, we are commanded to obey him. Obedience to the Savior and his word is not an option God presents to us. It is his command to us. Jesus said, if you love me, obey my commandments. Do you love Jesus? Then obey him. Give him more than lip service. Give him your very life. We are living in dark times. This is not the time for games with God. Now is the day of salvation. For he says, behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Jesus is not someone that you should trust in later on. Jesus is someone you are commanded to trust in now, today. It is Christmas Day. Today we celebrate the Savior in his birth, in his life, in his death, in his resurrection, and most importantly, in his rule and in his reign. 
trust him, obey him, and so glorify him in your life. Merry Christmas. Let's sing our thanks to God. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above, ye heavenly hosts. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Amen. The Lord be with you. The Lord bless you. Have a most blessed and merry Christmas. Merry Christmas.